Open your Bible, get your sermon notes out, repeat the topic with me, please. Say, fighting Fighting. a bad harvest. I have one big question today, and it's designed to point your mind in one direction. Today, we are in part two of a series on harvest and how you can plant in your life things you don't like, outcomes you don't like. And a lot of times we wake up and we look at our lives and we go, what happened? How did this happen? How did I end up in this place? It's not a harvest you like. and, And sometimes you don't know how you got there. In today's study, I I want you to think about this concept that came to me that's so simple, but I think it's it's just profound. When you're in the 11th grade and you were in school, 10th grade, 9th grade, whatever, you didn't know where you were on the clock. Not really. You didn't understand, you know, they told you you only had two more years of 11th grade, you had 11th grade and 12th grade, and then you're going to have to leave. But you didn't really think that through until you got to the 12th grade and you didn't have enough credits. And your grades weren't where they were supposed to be. All of a sudden now, it became real to you. Sometimes you miss days off work, right? And uh, it doesn't really become clear to you until you look at your paycheck. You just don't pay attention to how, many, how much time you lost, how many days you won't be paid for. <clears throat> Every person has done this. Every person has ignored the clock. You are sowing something in your life. The question is, how much time do you have left to sow before you harvest? How many more arguments can you have? How many more disagreements can you have? How much more time will this job put up with your complaints? How much more time do you have on the clock? So a little subtitle today is called Watch Your Clock. Say that with me, please. Come on. Watch your clock. There's a guy. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. He is not watching the clock. He's been uh, ruling for several years now, and he's at a place where he's kind of lost his perspective and he has this incredible dream in Daniel chapter 4 verse 10. And the dream troubles him and he's trying to figure out what this dream means. Now he's the king of Babylon and um, he he took Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, those guys you heard of, and they were around 15 years old. So these are guys who have been in slavery. I love the sermon, the first sermon in this series I did when I talked about um, fighting from where you are. These were guys who were going to be in slavery all their lives. They were never going to be free. And they found a way to be victorious in an unfair circumstance. I like that. They found a way to win on a job that wasn't perfect. They found a way to win in an environment that wasn't wasn't committed to their best interest. But they rose to the top. Daniel, in our study today, is probably one of the most prevalent of the guys. The book is named after him because it highlights his vision and his insight. And so when Nebuchadnezzar comes to this dream he has and he can't figure it out, Daniel is the go-to guy. So he calls Daniel in and he tells Daniel the dream. Now, you listen to the dream. It's pretty interesting. 
This is in Daniel chapter 4, verse 10. These were the visions of my head, Nebuchadnezzar says, while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth. And its height was great. Think of my picture of this tree. It's a tall tree. Its height was great. Verse 11. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Verse 12. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The, the birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh fed from that. Pretty important tree. Now, Nebuchadnezzar says the second part of the thing that struck him was this angel came down and chopped down the tree. That's in chapter 4, verse 13. Look what he says. I saw in the vision on my, of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one. Now, he's describing it the best he can. Coming down from heaven, he cried aloud and said, chop down, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit, let the beast get out from under it and the birds from his branches. Verse 15, nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field. Now I want to pause here for a second because now he's about to describe something Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know yet. He's going to describe Nebuchadnezzar's future. He's about to describe a hymn. Everybody say hymn. The hymn is Nebuchadnezzar, but he doesn't know it yet. You'll see that in a minute. It says, um, bound with a band of iron and let him, I have it underlined for you in bold print, let him graze with the beast on the grass of the earth. What does that mean? Verse 16. And let his heart be chained from that of a man and let him be given the heart of a beast. What in the world does that mean? And let seven times or seven years pass over him. Verse 17. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence. Think of a jury now by the word of the Holy One. This is a sentence passed on whoever this he is. In order that the living may know, this is why this is going to be done, that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. Can you read that with me, please? Come on. That the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whosoever he will. Whomever he wills, he gives it to. And sets over it the lowest of men. Amazing. In essence, he says, this is going to be a powerful lesson for everybody when I'm finished with, <laughs> excuse me, him. Who is the him? Tell your neighbor, say, I don't want to be the him. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel looks at him, <clears throat> and his job now is to interpret this dream. And so what happens? Well, Number three in your notes, Daniel tells the king, you are the tree. In chapter four, verse 27. This dream, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, is all about you. And your only hope, sir, is to change. Therefore, he said, verse 27 of chapter four, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off, from you, break off your sins. 
by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps, perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. When this happens, the clock starts ticking. I call it the harvest clock. Now you've heard something. Now you have an opportunity to act on it. The question is, what have you heard? Put Nebuchadnezzar on the side for a second and then ask you, what have you heard? What warning have you heard? What truth have you heard? What sermon have you heard? What message have you heard? What song touched you? And the clock has been ticking. You went to the doctor and he told you, hey, listen, you need to take your blood pressure medicine. Hey, you need, he told you, you need to watch your cholesterol. He told you, watch your diet. He made it plain. These are things that are bad for you. Clock's been ticking for you. How long? Well, if you'll notice, since you already turned your page over, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, you'll discover, knew this for 12 months and did nothing. Now, this next section I simply call three signs Nebuchadnezzar was building a bad harvest. Now, this guy was building a bad harvest and God warned him. This is bad. And there were three signs that he was building this bad harvest. Number one, he ignored a word he knew. He ignored a word. It's the first sign. He ignored a word he knew came from God for 12 months. Verse 28 of chapter 4 says, all this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. What's all this? We'll find out in a minute. At the end of how many months? 12 months. Here he is, 12 months. I am so amazed when I look back in my life at how many times God told me. He warned me. He said it. I mean, there's something about signs, symptoms. Sometimes pains in your, pain in your body is a, is, a, is a clock, right? Hey, hey, hey. Leg won't move, huh? Okay. Trying to tell you something. <laughs> Still dragging that leg. So trying to tell you. Back hurt. Oh, there's a sign. There's a sign. There's a warning. It's saying, I'm going out. <laughs> I mean, there's just this moment. I mean, your body, you know, I'm, I'm not picking. It just starts moving up and out. and Hey, hey, watch me. I'm, I'm swimming out of control. And I'm not picking on anybody. It's just true. And so sometimes you have to pause and say, is the clock ticking and am I ignoring this? Have I, have I made some decision and you just want to pause and say, well, you were so excited to get this dream, right? You were so excited to get this revelation. You called Daniel. You sat there. You listened. You, 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 know, you blasted the rest of the guys because they couldn't take the interpretation. And Daniel tells you and you do absolutely nothing for 12 months. How long has it been since you were clear about something? You knew this was a bad harvest. You knew that if you keep planting the seed, you were very clear. Your family said it. Your grandparents said it. it's been a long time. And if you're not careful, you just keep going. Well, he ignored a word. That was a sign that this guy was still planting a bad harvest. Second sign that he was planting a bad harvest was number two. He had an inflated view of himself. Now, I want you to read that with him, please. Come on, say, he had an inflated view of himself. Listen to what he says. Twelve months after being warned, twelve months after being clear. Here's what he said. Then the king spoke, saying... Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Wow. 
12 months, and, and that's what you come up with? After seeing the tree chopped down and the birds leave and the animals leave, and you know, did you forget about the part with the, you, the guy, the he eating grass? Did you forget that? Yeah. Ignored everything. And now it's my, my kingdom, my majesty, my glory, my house, my money, my job, my children, my church, my ministry, my calling, my music, my gift, my talent, my clothes, my man, my woman. It's all yours now. Right? Take your chest out. Be proud and forget what he said. Forget who gave it to you. Forget that it was all a gift to you. Forget that everything you wear and everything you have, somebody gave to you. And, and, and most of the time, if you, if you think about it, every house you live in, somebody else lived in it first. Most of the time. Or somebody will live in it. It's not yours. It's a gift. He forgot. Boy, you can get so inflated. Now, I really believe when you're a church person, you really can be inflated if you're not careful. The Lord told me, talking to God, I know God's voice. I bet you do. <laughs> he just calls you up all the time. You're close to God, right? Nobody else but you. When you say God told me something, hey, everybody needs to be quiet because the Lord told you this. But it's amazing when he said that. Something happened in the heavenlies. You ever had your kids say something? You say, what'd you say? I want you to listen to this next thing, because what I believe the third thing he did was he crossed a line with his words. Say that with me, please. Come on. He crossed a line with his words. Three signs he's building a bad harvest. Number one, he ignored a word he knew for 12 months. Number two, he became inflated. He had an inflated view of himself. And number three, he starts saying things. You start hearing it in what he said. And while, verse 31 says in chapter 4 of Daniel, while the words were still, were still in his mouth, while the word was still in the king's mouth, he hadn't finished the statement. A voice fell from heaven. I'm going to pause for a minute. While he was still saying, is not this great Babylon that I've built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor? Before he can say, my majesty, a voice interrupted him and said, King Nebuchadnezzar. Have you ever called your kids by their title? <laughs> All right, Miss Susie. Mr. Ricky. used to call him Ricky. And, you know, kids know when you, <laughs> when you call them by a certain name, oh, it's trouble. King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm telling you, when he said these words, it's almost like you can hear the Lord saying, angels be quiet. Shh. What did he say? His kingdom, his house, his children, his man. His, not his man. Sorry, get it right. <laughs> yeah, get it right, preacher. His job. His home is yours, King Nebuchadnezzar. The next words are pretty direct. 
The kingdom has departed from you. One wave of God's hand and everything changes in a day. One wave and you no longer work there. One wave and the car is wrecked and you can't drive. You're on the bus again. One wave of the hand. One wave of the hand. You learn very quickly that you are that far away from not having what you presently have. King Nebuchadnezzar, the kingdom is departed from you, verse 32, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. You're going to lose your mind for seven years. I'm going to take my hand off of your mind, and I'm going to let you see where you would be without me. Since this is your kingdom and your children and your life, and you did it all on your own, and you are so anointed that you can ignore God and you can ignore me, and now it's about you. Let me just take my hand off of you and let you run this ship by yourself. Where you ended up, where he ended up was eating grass. Laying down outside half naked and uh, not able to think. It's amazing how profound a moment this is. And it all started with a bad harvest. I guess he thought he had time on the clock. How much time did he have? When he went out there that day and he was talking about his kingdom, he didn't realize, oh, time's up. You got two minutes left, son. Your next words. It's in that moment that something profound took place. A season. Sometimes in my experience, when I meet people, I realize they're in a season. That's between them and God. I, I counsel them, deal with them, interact with them. But I realized they came to me in year four of their seven year season. And they still got some more time on the clock. When I deal with people, I understand that I didn't create what they planted. This is sometimes the result of a bad harvest. I, I see people that walk in here and they'll come in and I love them. and We care. But I'm telling you, they'll bring the harvest with them. And act like the harvest just dis disappeared. And my children just got like this. I had nothing to do with it. They just appeared crazy. They just woke up and crazy. Just don't know what happened to them. All of a sudden, my marriage just got bad. It just got bad. All of a sudden, he just woke up one day. He was just mean to me. And she's just mean to me. It's all his fault, her fault. It's all the church. My last church did it. That's why I'm like this. That's why. And it's always somebody else. It's those mean people down at that dealership that make me pay for this car every month. It's somebody's fault. That's why I'm outside. I'm evicted today because of somebody else. It's always somebody who did something to me. And I didn't do anything. I had nothing to do with this. I'm sick, but I didn't do anything. I smoked all my life, but I didn't bring this on myself. I had nothing to do with this. This is an accident. Is it really an accident? Is it really that? Or is this a harvest? Is it because I thought I had more time on the clock and there'd be no consequences for my choices? Oh, this speaks to me. Because here's what I've come to realize. God couldn't help me. Because I was ignoring the clock. That's why you didn't graduate. That's why you didn't make it through school. That's why, because you, you went to college for the first three years. You partied. Remember, three years you partied. Three years of their money. Three years you party. Now, you may don't feel bad. Just understand that that has to do with a person who doesn't understand where they're on the clock. And we all have been there. We've all done this. 
in some form or fashion. We've all ignored the obvious. And then sometimes when we finally look at it and when the truth finally is known, we almost act like we have amnesia. But I think it's powerful to say, I'm still breathing. I'm still breathing. Nebuchadnezzar had seven years, but there was an eighth year coming. Can you say with me, please? There's an eighth year coming. Come on. There may be a moment in your life where you are operating right now and a harvest is not right and doesn't feel wonderful, but there is an eighth year coming. And I love the fact that in verse 34, it ends. His harvest improves. I believe in this. I believe that your harvest can improve. I believe you can mess up your money, mess up your life, mess up your reputation, but you can get up from the ashes. I believe that God can raise you up and fix you again. I believe that he can do anything. He can fix anybody, anywhere. Come on, anything that's messed up. But a person has to admit, I'm sowing a bad harvest. This is, this is the bad stuff I don't want to do anymore. These are the things I don't want to ever say. These are the attitudes I don't want to ever have. These are the kind of people I can't ever interact with. I can't ever do that again. And so there's this moment when you listen to these comments. This is a guy who has been hanging out, eating grass, rolling around outside. He's lost his mind for seven years. He's gone through seven years of emotional chaos, seven years of being out of control, seven years of being embarrassed, seven years of bankruptcy. Seven, name it, friend. He's, he's, he's been at the bottom for seven years. But the eighth year comes, and here's what happens. I love the way that says this in verse 34 of Daniel chapter 4. At the end of the time... I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned. I came back. Seven-year journey took that long for me to humble down and my understanding returned to me. This is his testimony. He's speaking. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. He now understands what's essential. I'm reading this wonderful new book called Essentialism, which is interesting. And Essentialism, that's the name of the book, and it's, it's, it's called, it has to do with living with less and how you define in your life what's really important, what's not important, what's essential and what's not essential. People that he calls non-essentialists are people who don't know what's essential. He makes this tremendous point in the book. He says, up until the, fourth, the word priority, up until the 14th, it came into our word, our, our language around the 1400s, he says, and he says, in around the 1400s, we understood that word to mean one thing. It's singular. What is your priority? But then 500 years later, the word evolved around the 19th century and started being priorities. Now it's plural. And so we got several priorities. And we don't know what's essential. Now he understands what's essential. Now he's clear, he's focused, he now knows this is the most important thing in my life, to bless the Lord God. It's not my king. He doesn't talk about his kingdom anymore. He's not talking about his house anymore or his job or his 401k or nothing. It's all about blessing the living God. His kingdom. He said, I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him for who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom, listen to this now, is from big words, say generation, come on, to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. 
he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? The three things I see in this, number one, his understanding improved. His harvest improved because his understanding improved. My harvest will never improve until my understanding improves. Until God gets me to the place where I'm thinking right and my head's in the right place, he can give me money, I'll mess it up. He can give me a job, I'll lose it. He can give me a person, I'll wreck the relationship. He can give me a church, I'll destroy it because my understanding has not been improved. And if you keep seeing your life go down these bad roads and you keep seeing these bad harvests prop up, back up and say, help my understanding. There's something about the way I'm thinking and planting in my life that keeps bringing these bad harvests in my life. If I'm living from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis, if I see a person in my office over and over and over and over and over again, I go, ah, you're sowing bad seed. And somehow the goal should be not to solve all your immediate issues, but to solve your long-term thinking. Secondly, his relationship with God improved. That was impressive. That's, that said, this guy's going to sow good, good, good harvest now. It, it, it's now, he understands his place. God's first. Not, his, not his, his power. You know, education can make you feel really good. I'm a big fan of it. Oh, God, I'm, so, I'm such a big fan of it. I think it really changes the game for you. But you got to see. He's first. He's first. Thirdly, his view became generational. That told me that he was about to sow a good, good harvest because here's a guy who understood it's not about me. What I do affects a whole lot of people coming after me. His attitude was profound now. He got it. He saw the light. And what I'm going to do next week is I'm going to show you an incredible truth. Even though he got it, his son didn't. In the next chapter, in chapter 5, I'm going to show you his son Belshazzar, and I'm going to show you his son picked up his daddy's bad habits. You know, you can spend so long sowing a bad harvest that your kids pick up your disease. That's what scares some parents. They see themselves. And sometimes the best thing you can do is sit them down and say, let me talk to you for a minute, and let me tell you I'm so sorry for what I planted in your life, whatever I've given, convinced you this is okay, and it's not okay. It's not okay to cheat on your mom. It's not okay to cheat on your dad. It's not okay to fuss like this. It's not okay to curse like this. It's not okay. It's not, this is not okay. This has not been good. It's not, it's, it's whatever we've done to communicate this to you, and, 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 and you hope that maybe with grace and patience and prayer, they could avoid it. Well, Beth Shezar, you'll see next week, didn't. And that's why next week's sermon is called Passing a Bad Harvest to the Next Generation. And I want to show you how amazing it is that this guy ended up passing to his son something that he learned. He learned it. I think, I think being a grandparent is interesting. I'm new at this thing. I'm only a couple months into the job, but it's interesting. You know, you, you think your brain starts taking this turn, you know, and you start realizing, man, wow, somebody else is going to get some of what I've gotten. Not only did they get my money, my time, they developed my habits. You see it in your son, you hear it in your daughter, you hear the way they quote you, you, you watch how they move, you watch how they process. What are you passing to the next generation? What did you inherit from your previous generations? 
Man. There are four leadership lessons or seasons that I learned when I look at Nebuchadnezzar's life. And these seasons are fascinating because they're seasons that you can learn from. When I look at his life, I see a leader has often have seasons of revelation. God shows them things early. Every leader can say, I saw that. Then a leader has a season of consultation. A Daniel, someone will come in and confirm it. Thirdly, I noticed there's, there's always a season of implementation where what was told to you happens. It's that teacher who said to you, if you don't pay attention, you're not going to graduate. There's always that season of implementation. There are a number of people who stand before a judge in a courtroom and they know they heard the revelation about this when they were little. Their mama said, don't you lie, because if you lie, you'll do what? Steal. See, y'all went to the same class, didn't you? <laughs> and you're standing before the judge and you're just hoping he'll give you the lightest sentence possible. Even though you're caught on video, you know you did it. <laughs> so amazing. I knew somebody, they, not only were they caught on video, they waved at the video. Hey. <laughs> I thought, oh, I know this person. Help God, help. The season comes when they finally catch you in Walmart stuffing stuff in your shoes. They catch you. And you stand there and you look like, oh, God, now you want to pray. It's amazing when you get caught, you want to pray. You don't pray before you go steal. You got to do that before. Lord, I'm going in here to steal. I pray you bless me. <laughs> you always pray when you get caught. Season of revelation, consultation, implementation. But what I love the most is God's interested always in a season of restoration. He redeems people. God's concern for you is that you be redeemed. God's concern for you is that you be free. God's concern for you is that your life be whole. I want to pray for you today. I want to ask God to do something in your life. For some of you today, this sermon has made you think about a lot of things. It's made you think about your life. It's made you weigh out some things and say, you know, maybe, maybe I do need to take a step back. I need to think a few things through. Maybe in my life, I have been a little bit passive. I heard something 12 years ago. I heard something 20 years ago. And I did not react to it. But today, I get it. Today, I see. Today, I hear. Father, I pray for everyone in this room today who has heard this message. May the Holy Spirit bring peace and grace to their hearts and minds. May they hear this message, whether they're here or they're home or wherever they are. And may they say in Jesus' name, healing and grace and blessing. I pray the Holy Spirit would bring to them today a sense of comfort. If they have sown a bad harvest, may they realize that you can heal them. They're not hopeless people. We've all done it. We've all missed the cue. We've all missed the moment. We've all missed the mark. And so, Lord, without judgment, without any sense of criticism, we just thank you for the chance to give them a chance to sow a brand new harvest. 
And Lord, I give you praise and I give you glory today. As we come understanding that we can't always tell where we are on the clock. But we know you know where we are. You know, there's somebody with big plans. But they don't have that long. And then there's somebody with no plans and they got years. But wherever we are on the clock today, we come to you. And we bow our hearts to you. And we ask for your hand to be upon us. Guide us. Anoint us. Heal us. Restore us. Thank you for forgiving us for our flaws and our failures. And for the seasons. Some of us have been in a seven-year season. Some of us have been in a ten-year season. But thank you our understanding has come back to us. And so I thank you. There are words we'll never say again. There are things we'll never, ever forget again. Because we know who you are. We're clear now. Would you kind of just lift your hands and say, I am clear now. Come on, I am clear. In the name of Jesus. Father, there are people in this room who don't know you as Savior. They've never given their lives to Jesus. May this be the moment when they say, Pastor, I need to do that. I need to enter into a relationship with the living God, and, and I, I have not done that. I've never really sincerely given my life to Jesus. So today, this is the day that I make that commitment to serve him. And so, Lord, let this be a moment of forgiveness, washing and cleansing. You died on the cross so they could be free. You came so that they would be forgiven. So I speak that into their life. Whatever's happened in the past, today they get a clean slate, an opportunity to start over again. I also pray for those who need to rededicate their lives. They've gotten away from you. They started on the right track and now they've gotten off, but I speak healing to them in the name of Jesus. And I pray this would be the day they rededicate their lives to you. I also pray for people who need a church to be a member of. They, they're not a part of any real family, but they need a place. Let this be the moment they pray about about committing themselves and being a part. And we speak blessing to those decisions in Jesus' name. Church, say amen. In your, in your chair, there is a Get Connected card. And I want someone to pass me one of those blue cards that's um, in that chair. Thank you. It looks like this. It's called Get Connected. I used to, um, I had to raise your hand for a long time. If you want to start a life with Jesus, I said raise your hand. And I may do that at some point. But today I want you to do this. There's a 